Man, we debate who should be the sixth man this year. John Morant might be in some legal trouble. And did Clay just make a comment that should make some concerns in Golden State? I'm Rosa Panta. This is a Clinic All NBA podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Hey, feeling good, feeling great. Hamlin is progressing with his health. And yeah. God bless. Shout out. Yeah, man, definitely shout out. John. How you living, my friend? Absolutely. Big ups to the medical staff and everyone. Yes. Uh, big, super happy about Hamlin. I'm doing great, man. Good to be here. Let's get it. Yeah, man. Let's get it. And seriously, like, shout out to everyone that participated in bringing Hamlin back. Um, if you guys haven't heard the news, it looks like he's awake. He's responding. I guess the first thing that he said or he, that he wrote down on a piece of paper to doctors was... Who won the game? <laughs> and that's a boss move, man. That's a boss yeah. move to him. Anyway, let's talk to let's talk about some basketball here. I'm gonna talk about Magic Johnson because he was recently in an interview with Matt Barnes and he was recapping basically how he recruited LeBron James. But interestingly, he said that at the time he didn't know that AD was gonna be available. But he actually had his eyes on the Terminator, Kawhi Leonard. And he said confidently when asked about this, yeah, I would have had Kawhi. So I want to get your guys' reaction, your responses. I'm really interested to see what John has to say because he's a Laker fan, but I'm going to start with JJ here. I mean, it's always been rumored that Kawhi wanted to go to LA for so long and it was always with the connection of the LA Lakers. So I'm not totally surprised. And I do believe that it was kind of confirmed that LeBron is the reason why Kawhi didn't want to go because he wanted to start his own thing with the Clippers and build that quote-unquote dynasty as I know John is about to shake his head but you know honestly <laughs> like if we're gonna be real about it I think the Lakers dodged the bullet Ooh. Think, think about it Kawhi didn't even play all of last year. And then right before that, he's had injury problems. Not only that, the weirdness of Kawhi, like choosing not to play, you had that whole ordeal with um, the Spurs. And it's the Spurs organization, everyone had props. You have that big tree of Duncan, uh, Parker, and Ginobili, not really backing up their guy, not backing up Kawhi. Right. And then you have like people questioning the loyalty of Kawhi when he did leave Toronto and the Toronto gave him the keys to the cities man like what else can you ask for I guess you can't beat LA you can't beat the weather and um, you can't eat, beat the eye candy right John am I hitting the mark on that definitely uh, yes on the eye candy I'm not in <laughs> LA anymore but <laughs> I'm all, I, I mean it's just that it's just that right personality and, and, and fit I don't know about that I won't comment on that go ahead <laughs> John I, want, I wanted to ask you do you think that the pairing of Kawhi and LeBron would have been better than the pairing of LeBron and AD wow that is a uh Interesting question because both AD and Kawhi are in, uh, in, infamously known for being injured True. consistently, right? 
And so what do they say? The best asset or best attribute is availability. And so I don't like, but let's play, let's play hypothetically just, just, just for a second. Assuming both were healthy, right? And both didn't have injury history. Who do I think is the better fit? Wow. Honestly, I think AD is. And that's not biased because he's already won a championship with us or he's on a team. I just think that having a big who can anchor your defense. Listen, perimeter defense is great and everything. But I think the importance of having that anchor, having someone who can back up and be, be and, and make up for mistakes on the perimeter is way more important because you're you're defending more than just one guy right you're defending pretty much anybody who drives into the paint or and breaks is able to break down the defense so i'm gonna go with lebron and ad but i, I do want to say something about magic johnson right like i'm not just gonna take his word for it because I, all you need to do is do a quick google search like i did right now and look up some of Magic Johnson's most ridiculous tweets. And I'm not gonna go through all of them. And, I, and listen, I'm not gonna go through all of them because we all know that's gonna take forever, right? We only have so many, so much time here. So this I'm gonna true. go through a couple. February 19th, 2015, Irvin Magic Johnson's Twitter. The Bucks just acquired the next Jason Kidd and Michael Carter Williams. Tweet one. Yeah! Tweet number two. February 21st, 2017. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, March 20th, 2011. For all of you out there questioning Jimmer Fredette of BYU, he is the real deal. Yeah! Look, look, I know we all make mistakes, but I'm just going to, I'm going to go with this one. Like, this is the same guy that we're just up in here and trusting saying that he would have had Kawhi Leonard. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. Magic, I love you. You're a legend. You're one of the best Lakers to ever play the game. Best Lakers to play the game. One of the best Lakers to play the game and one of the best players in, the, in history to play the game. But that doesn't excuse you from the, the egregious comments that you make on here. And to me, that hurts his credibility. I don't know about you guys, but that to me, that hurts his credibility. So I'm going to take the story <laughs> with a grain of salt. I'm going to agree with you there that it does hurt his credibility, but it's funny to me that he says this so confidently because I don't even think Kawhi's mother would have known what Kawhi would have done in that situation. You know what I mean? Like who could read Kawhi's mind? I don't think anyone could, right? When he went to the Clippers, I think it was a complete surprise that he was able to bring along a Paul George because no one knew that they were even talking, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know, it, it seems kind of fishy, but just wanted to I have throw that out there. Yeah, go ahead. I have I have one follow-up question to you guys. So when when LeBron came to, went to the Lakers, do you really think? And I know this was documented, and I think LeBron may have even said it. And it's I think it's part of it. But do you really think that the main reason he went to LA was because of Magic Johnson? Personally, I don't think so. But I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. I think it's a it's a form of influence. But let's be real. LeBron's next phase of life is to set up long term for post basketball life exactly that'd be yeah. you know entertainment and you want to go to la so i think that's the main reason i think it could be i mean I'll, i mean there's like a big la's a big draw right the city itself and then you put a charismatic face behind that city in magic johnson so i i could believe it what about you john do you believe it like I said, I think it's a part of it. But I also think, like JJ said, he was looking at life after basketball. And we're a better place to do Hollywood shows, produce, 
than Los Angeles. Secondarily, I want to say that I bet I bet Kobe had a big influence in actually him coming to LA mm. too. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. call. I would assume that LeBron would have had to talk to Kobe at least a little bit about sure. coming to LA, especially to play for the Lakers and what that would mean. Um, I don't know if there's any documentation on that, but I'm going to move us on to our next topic here. Clay Thompson recently dropped 54, and after he did, he made a comment that made Golden State Warriors fans a little uncomfortable. He said, after this year, there's only one year left on my deal, so I told myself, like, man, I got to enjoy every day in a Warriors uniform. People reacted to this kind of poorly. Do you guys think this is something or nothing? What do you think? You want me to start since I'm the non-warrior fan here? Please. From an outsider's perspective, unbiased and impartial as, as honestly, because I know that there are reports that he might come to LA, but ultimately Clay is kind of on his He's in the, I would say he's on the tail end of his prime at this point, right? He's obviously had serious injury. Um, he's still playing really well. I don't know if it's consistently, which I don't think it is, but he's having these monster games here and there. It would concern me, yes. If you, it concern me in the sense that I think this is kind of him indicating that my time in Golden State is not going to be forever. Right. And... I don't think the Warriors are willing to even pay him what he probably is going to ask for. I think some team might. Some team that maybe has all the right pieces and they need shooting because shooting is invaluable in the NBA, especially today. And so I think that some team is going to pay him more than the Warriors are going to at 35, 36 years old. Mm -hmm. So yes, I do think that his time in Golden State, especially based on this comment and this quote, I do think he's going to, he's looking and, and things could change, right? Today and a year from now, a lot can happen. If the Warriors were to win the title again, can he really just up and leave? I mean, maybe, but maybe not. So I think a lot depends on that. So I want to get your guys' thoughts as Warrior fans, as avid Warrior fans. JJ, number one Warrior fan in, in June, number three, after the Blazers <laughs> and the Kings. What do you guys think? Oh, man. Um, we look into like the legends from the past, John like Carmelone growing up where like he's never gonna leave Utah then this dude goes to your team the Lakers <laughs> your other favorite player Paul Pierce oh he'll never leave Boston he'll be a Celtic for life lo and behold this dude goes to the Nets and he goes to the Wizards and then the Clippers right so I never want to say never especially for Clay, but I think it's smart that Clay did this as a business move because this is part of using negotiation tactics. You gotta right. just yeah. gotta let the team know or let your employer know that hey, if I'm wanted elsewhere and they're willing to pay me, I'm gonna just leave. And th that's just how business is. And I know as fans, sometimes we hate the business aspect. We want to see players in specific situations that make it more fun for us to watch or more competitive or it builds to the legacy so in this case i do hope that clay retires as a warrior 
but we've seen stranger things happen in the NBA gym. Yeah, if you were a betting agree. man, if you but, were a betting man, would you bet money on him staying or leaving, JJ? Before we throw it over to Ro. Okay, of course, as a fan, I want him to retire, but I'm going to say that he will not be with us next year. After next year, next year's his last year, right? Yeah, after next, well, contingent, like what you said, and I'm glad you said that. Contingent if he wins, if they win the championship or not. Yeah, I'm with JJ there. Um, I do think it's strategic that that Clay Thompson said this after a 54 point game mm-hmm. because the microscope is on him and it's like, hey, like I can still get back to this form if you if you guys give me some time. You just gotta pay me, right? And if I'm a betting man, I think that Clay Thompson can probably get paid more somewhere else. Because that cap sheet is looking pretty ridiculous for the Golden State Warriors, especially after paying Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins. And now they got to look towards the future at other pieces as well. I mean, I don't know. Is there a particular place that you guys would like to see Klay Thompson go next year if it's traded that isn't Golden State? Like I or said, would man. I like to see him go, or would you think he would be the best fit? <laughs> yeah. Let's go with fit. Let's go with fit. Okay. What would be like interesting? JJ, go ahead. The fit and the dream place is La La Land. How, with LeBron. How, how dope would it be that your LeBron always wanted a premium catch and shooter, number one, right? True. But number two, imagine your your pops is calling your games. It's like the the dream, and you're going back to your you know your favorite team growing up, his idol, his idol's team Kobe. So I'm gonna say the Lakers. Wow, that's a that's a tough one, bro. Let, let me let me marinate that marinate on that a little bit. Why don't you go at first? <laughs> I think I think Luca needs help. Mm. I think. Going to the Dallas Mavericks would be super interesting. They ha- they tried over and over to give Luka pieces, and they let a really good one go in Brunson. But we all know that that Luka can't do this by himself. And I think Klay Thompson pairing with a, a catch and shooter who could also sometimes create, kind of depending on what the situation's like, I think Klay Thompson would fit well there. All right, so I'm going to throw... I'm gonna throw this out here. And it's gonna be interesting to me. I'm gonna say, and honestly, I think like if if the Warriors were bent on trading Clay Thompson on his on his last year instead of just losing him for nothing, I think you try to make a deal with the devil and uh, call the Memphis Grizzlies and see what you oh. can get in return for him because they have a lot of pieces. And I don't know if JJ would be okay with that, but. I think if the compensation was good enough, I mean, they have, <laughs> you'd probably say, yeah. So I'm going to say with the Grizzlies, I'm going to say the Grizzlies. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, I'm going to take us to our next topic here. We're going to talk about who we think may be the sixth man winner this year. And apparently, according to like NBA.com and some other places, these are the three front runners here. It's Jordan Poole, Bobby Portis, and surprise, surprise, <laughs> Russell Westbrook. And I want your guys' take. Who do you guys think should wow. be six man of the year if it ended today? 
if the season ended today? Hmm. What I'll say is that John, you should try to combat me with this, but Russell Westbrook, if you're a former MVP and you're riding the bench as a sixth man, should you deserve the award? I feel that that's kind of a, I don't know, it doesn't sit right with me. Like, give it to someone that is a true six man, not a someone that got demoted. Is that a? <laughs> you know what I mean. I don't want to. I don't want to make it like the six man is a a bad thing, but it is a demotion. Is it not? I mean, I, I can. Under, I actually kind of understand your point because it is a demotion, but it's also in the sense that hey, I mean, anybody who you put a, a former star and a guy who was putting up crazy numbers on this bench put him on the bench because he's had maybe like a rough injury like if you put lebron james on start him on the bench he's gonna win six men of the year no problem mm-hmm. <laughs> right True. yes so uh, i mean I, I can understand and i think it kind of takes away from the it diminishes i guess in your eyes jj the mvp a little bit um I'm not too mad about it as JJ is. I, I would be okay with it. <laughs> mostly because Russell Westbrook is a Laker and anything that makes the Lakers a positive this year would is okay with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had to pick, I would probably pick Jordan Poole. Which is interesting because Bobby, the, the Bucks have the best record, right? But I feel yeah. like the sixth man really isn't... I don't think they they factor in the wins of a team as much for sixth man if at all at least that's from what i've gathered from past six men of the year awards so i'm gonna say jordan Poole just based on the numbers numbers he's putting up and i know he's defensively we don't really take it that to take that into account and that's part of what the reason why i'd pick pool yeah i see Thoughts? why you would go with pool but for me i don't feel like anyone's really running away with this award um and that's why I lean more towards Bobby Portis because at least his team is winning. That's where I'm at with it. And plus, his his he's putting up a double double. And I don't think there's a lot of six men of the year who ended up with a double double like Bobby Bobby Portis has this year. So that's why I think the award should go to him. I don't know if I'm saying this also because Jordan Poole has kind of pissed me off in like recent memory <laughs> it's because he turns the ball over like in the last two minutes of like every game in clutch moments it like oh it, it really bothers me yeah, yeah and uh he, sorry go ahead jj no no sorry john no um i was just gonna say you know if you exclude those moments which we, and we're highly critical warrior fans jen but true he did score we know when when this whole time period, John, that stuff has been out. He scored 43, 41. That's really hard to do as a you know, six man. And then you come on to this team. He was just in the G League, for goodness sake. You know what I mean, John? Yeah. No, I I know what you mean. Yeah, I think it's hard. I think it's hard. It's like I, I agree with Ro. I don't think there's a, a runaway at this point for the award. So it's probably going to be a toss-up. There'll probably be votes across the board for each person. It'll probably be close. Yeah, and only time will tell with that one, but we're going to take a short little break with a word from our sponsor. 
The NBA season is heating up and there are still so many unknowns. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Wow. Download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Wow. All right, we're going to go to our next topic here. And via the nylon calculus, the NBA is seeing 50-point games about five times more often than a decade ago. And within the last 24 hours, or in a 24-hour period, we saw Donovan Mitchell score 71 points, Klay Thompson score 54 points, Giannis Antetokounmpo putting up a 55-10-7 game. We've even, we've even seen a triple-double, a 60-point triple-double by Luka, and a 59-point game by Joel Embiid. This is absolutely unprecedented. And I want to get your guys' take on why this is happening. And as a frame of reference, there's a stat out there called Game Score. It's an advanced analytic, and basically they combine a whole bunch of different stats um, that affect the game. And the top 10 has three players in three different games that are on that list now for top game score, which is crazy. Why do you guys think this is happening here? Hmm. Well, is it like a three-point shooting? Is it? Yeah, I, I think defense? if you see the, the the trends of the NBA, especially today, the there are a lot more better players. Let's just get that straight. After the merger, or not the merger, I should say the expansion teams when it went to 24 and then eventually to 32, by you know by nature laws, when you when you expand something, it's not going to be as concentrated with good players anymore. So I think the league, now that it's more global as well, it's just more concentration of better players, number one. Number two, the rules of defense have changed. There's no more hand checking. So, and you don't really see people emphasize defense that much. And the three-point line obviously has made a huge impact with today's game. So if you look at those three characteristics of today's game versus what we used to watch even in the 90s, which I don't feel like is a long time ago, but of course I'm very old now. So <laughs> I'm just going to say that that's what I see. Um, but I'm just going to say my two things out of the three things that I listed, it's most likely that the players are way more skillful, more athletic, and they could get to the rim and find a way to score outside. What do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, you know, my initial thought was the pace. But then I look at a stat here, and apparently the this year, that this is one of the slowest um, paces that they've recorded in, in many seasons. It says that their league average is 99.3 possessions per 48 minutes per basketball reference. And that qualifies as a slower pace than 18 other recorded seasons. 
so clearly I'm, I'm my my initial thought is is wrong so I would look at then I would look at the three pointers like you said are people are guys taking more threes and that's that's a part of it guys are taking threes at a higher clip and they're not only at a higher at higher volume but they're actually making them at more efficiently so I think you know Steph Curry effect and just just their guys ability to shoot threes I mean you're not even talking about guards right you're talking about uh, forwards point forwards power forwards centers everyone has to had to adapt their game to shoot the ball more so when you have more guys on the court nearly almost five guys on the court that can shoot the ball at a, an efficient rate and do so at a high volume you're just naturally going to score more points like you said and I think that's a big part of it JJ is that these guys are a lot more talented they're physically physically they're a lot more dominating other than Shaq back in the day there's only a few guys like that but now you see there's so many guys like that right that just impose their will and are able to just take over the defense whenever they want so I think that's that for me it's mostly like the talent and the ability to shoot threes bro what do you think um well Steve Kerr was asked about this recently and he said that um, he thinks that there's a trend that's that's happening and it's basically that there's just bad transition defense around the league this year but I mean out of the, these guys that are in the top 10 for game score Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic and Joel Embiid, I don't think Luka Doncic and Joel Embiid are scoring a lot of transition points <laughs> <laughs> like they, yeah. aren't, they aren't world no. beaters that's when a good sprinting point. down the court, court you know what I mean? Uh, that's a great point dude yeah, so a I, great point. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna wax that. I don't think that's that's necessarily true for why this is happening. I I honestly think that just players are getting so much smarter in affecting the game in different ways. I think for a long time people have been obsessed with scoring and stuff like that, but now you see all these Twitter posts about nice passes or a play with beautiful ball movement. It's just, it's a different game now, you know? And I think that um, players like Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic, and Joel Embiid, they could affect the game in a ton of different ways. And I think that's why their game score is all the way up. Um, Can, uh, let me ask you guys a question. So with this list of these players scoring these all-time highs, and then you have, like what you said earlier, Jun, that three of the players scored these all-time highs this year, Here's a controversial question. The people listed here are considered top 25, top 50 of all time. If Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic, and Joel Embiid are on this list, do you think that this is a bad trend that defense isn't as highly regarded or these guys are the real deal? Like, do you think now that Donovan Mitchell has scored 71 that maybe that he's out of Utah he's legit and credible or you know this is kind of like an empty stat what do you think John what do you think Jun oh man because when I look at this list it's like okay three of the you know highest scores games ever happens to be at 2022 and it's like Donovan Mitchell in the in the room with Jordan Kobe Carmelone that's right. kind of crazy to me. You know, I'm I'm gonna say that Donovan Mitchell had an incredible game. Like he could not do wrong. 
in that game against the Bulls. And he did play like an all-timer. But I don't think he's an all-timer, though. I think this might be a one-off for him. I, I think that's more likely. What do you think, John? Yeah, I, th I think it's a, it's hard, right? Because Luca, I think we can all agree he's a, he's probably going to be an all-timer when it's all said and done. Mm -hmm. Joel yeah, Embiid has the potential to be up there in the Hall of Fame if he were to win a title or two and stay healthy. Donovan Mitchell, I'm not so sure. But yeah, yeah. It, it's hard to look at this list and look at these guys that are highlighted that happened in two, 2022, 2023 and compare them other than Luka maybe and compare them to these these other players like MJ and Kobe, right? Mm -hmm. And Karl Malone. Um, it's hard to say, man. I don't know. I, I, it's hard to say because like the errors are different. are different. You know, the game has changed. Like like Rose said, things are just different. But it's it's for me, it's hard to really pinpoint what that is. So yeah. I don't know. I'm at a, I'm kind of at a loss at this one. I'll have to let sleep on it. Let it marinate a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'm gonna take us to our next topic here. It's kind of a touchy one because we're gonna talk about Ja Morant who might be in some legal trouble here because he was playing, I guess, pickup basketball with a minor, 17 years old. And allegedly, the 17-year-old hit John Morant in the face with a basketball. And they started getting close to each other, arguing. I guess Morant was saying stuff like, should I do it to him? Before he struck him. He struck the 17-year-old. And apparently, he kept quote, sticking him while he was on the ground. And apparently the 17-year-old brother was involved in this altercation. Morant has said that, like, the 17-year-old said that he was going to, like, burn down his house. This is all very sticky situation here. And I wanted to ask you guys, what do you guys think of the altercation and what possibly might come of this? Did this, sorry, did this happen at John Morant's house? Yeah, I'm sorry. That's a that's a, a really important detail. This happened mm -hmm. at John Morant's house. What kind of, who's, who are these 17-year-olds that John Morant's hanging out with? Or like 18-year-olds? <laughs> like, I'm mean, not trying to make light of this, I'm no, not trying no, to make light no, of the no. situation, You're but right, I would have, no. right? Like, it's a great question. Like, if, if the reports are true that this kid was acting up and he was, he was threatening him and like talking smack, getting in his face, verbally abusing him, threatening to light his house on fire. Then, and I'm not saying that it's justified that John Moran put his hands on this kid, but ultimately like you're antagonizing and you're pushing buttons and you're doing things to rile up John Morant, thinking that he's not going to do anything or be physical. And, you know, emotions can get the best of you. And I'm not saying John Morant's in the right here, but I'm just trying to make free. I'm trying to understand and, and, and provide a reason as to why this happened. Um, so that's my thoughts on the confrontation. Now, as in regards to kind of punishment, I don't, I don't know if it warrant, depending on how the kid is doing, I don't know the reports of how he is if he's physically hurt, if he's mentally damaged, I'm sure he's probably claiming that, but I'm sure everything is like, seems a lot more serious than it is. But he's probably gonna get fined by the NBA. He might get suspended by his team, who knows? But ultimately, like, I would, I wanna know more about this story to, to kind of 
have a have a better assessment and and thoughts and who decided with frankly i don't know what do you think jj john i think the one thing that's really controversial about this is the keyword teenagers minor so everyone's gonna jump to jump on john morant which is like why don't you just be the adult and just walk away from the situation so there are a lot of questions that you know when i was reading about this that people kept popping off and commenting on which is like number one uh as a teenager someone throws a ball at your face you don't have to retaliate well from personal experience fellas i've seen a ball being thrown at someone's face and breaking somebody's nose so a 17 year old is capable of doing damaging things can we all agree on that true i think we could agree on that right like as a whole the other side to it though is that john morant you are now on that cusp of becoming a superstar you just got that big contract that new deal with nike there's certain things that you may not want to do like what charles barkley said like i'm not a role model remember that old nike ad but (laughs) that's why you get paid by the nba there are certain things that you have to uphold and that's part of it is pr and this is not a good pr move um the one thing that i don't like is that he not only struck the teenager once but it's been reported that multiple times so yeah my question about this whole situation that i want to know about more info like what you were saying john and jen is that one what's the relationship with john moran and this kid is it a family friend was he invited to john moran's house was this a friendly game of basketball and then it just got too gnarly which happens doesn't justify the the behavior of either of them so i don't know uh sticky situation but i did want to point out those questions before we conclude anything yeah absolutely and uh you know we're we're on live right now uh justine ong just said hi to us if you have anything, any other questions, Justine, just let us know and we'll try to answer it. But yeah, John Morant, like, he's getting into an altercation with a 17-year-old. And, you know, to the 17-year-old, don't disrespect a man in his own house. Yeah. That's one. So someone should have probably taught him that. But this isn't John Morant's place to teach him. Where I think that John Morant should have just walked away from the situation. Maybe tell the 23-year-old older brother of the 17 year old like put the 17 year old in check like that's okay too right if there's an older brother in the room yeah where was the older brother in this situation and get him to stop and also maybe john morant maybe don't play with with minors (laughs) maybe don't play basketball with minors because you're a competitor and you can't keep your emotions in check which which is the reason why John Morant is loved, right? Because he's such yeah. a competitor and is so fiery and is so fun to watch. Um, we also forget. Go ahead. Go ahead, John. I was going to say, what he should have done is he should have had his family or friend videotape him <laughs> dunking on this kid <laughs> and then posting it on his social media for all his friends to see. <laughs> that is the right move, the legal move. 
<laughs> That's also true. What were you gonna say, Jay? No, it's just John Moran's 23. He just turned 23, so yeah. The age gap to some people, four, five, six years is not that huge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? We are going. That's actually all we have for tonight's show. And I want to thank you two for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thank you, fans. Uh, just quick shout out to our boy Sammy. What up? What up? Yeah, shout out to Sammy. John, thanks for being on, man. Yes, thank you. And shout out to Sammy. This would have been the best episode ever, but Sammy's not here. So shout out, Sammy. Get better. And we miss you. <laughs> and of course, shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>